Welcome to Crisis Conversations, a brand new podcast from the British Red Cross. War ravaged Yemen has been pushed closer to total famine. Months of fighting have destroyed lives, leaving millions injured, homeless and starving. Severe malnutrition is claiming lives as famine looms in the Arab world's poorest nation. For more than two years, Yemen has been mired in conflict, a conflict that has brought the country to its knees and resulted in the worst cholera outbreak of modern times. I'm James Lillywhite, and for this first episode of Crisis Conversations, we're going to be talking about the unprecedented crisis in Yemen with three expert guests from the British Red Cross. First up, we're joined by Trey Gonsalves, a media officer here at the British Red Cross, who has just returned from a one-week visit to Yemen. We arrived uh, in Sana'a off a, a Red Cross flight, so um, it's the only flights that um, we can get into Sana'a, um, and they fly from Djibouti. And when we landed, um, the first thing that hit me actually was I expected it to be really, really hot, and actually it wasn't. It was nice and fresh. There was a breeze. Um, and when we got into the car and made our way down, I started noticing... Um, just how beautiful the city was. And even though I've worked on it for so long, I think nothing prepares you for that moment where you finally step foot into this place that you know, you've know you imagined and that you've thought of, seen pictures. But in reality, it was, it was quite different. Um, so yeah, the beauty of the mountains around the city, it really struck me at first. And then as we got deeper into Sana'a, you start noticing little things that remind you of where you are. So, you know, um, buildings that have been destroyed and people um, begging on the roadside, markets kind of half empty. So those little things then, you know, bring you back into reality. Sure. And what kind of things were people you were speaking to on the ground saying about the conflict, how it changed their lives and how it changed the city? Oh, it's just... Absolutely everyone has been impacted by um, the conflict. Uh, there's not one person I spoke to that hasn't been affected in some way, you know, from um, colleagues at the Yemen Red Crescent, uh, like Nasreen, who's my counterpart there. She works in media as well. Um, she had all these ambitions about where her career would go in communications, um, about doing a master's, these, these other things that she wanted for her life. And she was saying those things aren't possible for her now because the infrastructure in Yemen has been completely destroyed. Uh, a lot of schools have been destroyed. Um, people just can't do those things that they wanted to do. Uh, even working is hard. I spent time with a doctor, um, Dr. Anissa, who hasn't been paid in every year. And she was saying, actually, she felt like she was a lucky one because she had her own home. And even though she hadn't been paid, at least she knew that she had a home to go to every day. But her patients that she saw couldn't even afford the medicines she was prescribing. Um, but when I asked her why she kept going to work, even though she hadn't she hadn't been paid, she said it it was humanity. She had to. She couldn't she couldn't not go because that would mean that these people wouldn't have health care. All all the volunteers of the Yemen Red Crescent. Um, they all give up their time for free uh, to come and volunteer. And, and they did that before the conflict as well. So a lot of them have worked there for years and years and years. Uh, but now they spend the most of their time there because they can't find work or they're not being paid or the demand for them is much higher. They're often first responders. So if, if an attack happens, um, they will be the first people on scene um, and they will be doing first aid, the dead body management. They do all the cholera prevention stuff. I mean, everything. They're all over Yemen. And they really are incredible. 
So you mentioned cholera there, which has obviously become a huge narrative in this conflict. There is actually no water available in Sana'a, so you turn on your taps um, and you you don't have a central water system. And that's because, um, you know, the, those water points have been destroyed. Uh, the International Committee of the Red Cross is working with the Ministry of Water to try and rehabilitate some of those. So get those back up and running so people actually have access to water in their homes. Uh, but the majority of people don't have that access. Um, and actually, at the moment, um, there's a blockade on Yemen, which started after I left. And that means now that people don't have access to clean water because the only water that was getting to people was through the Red Cross um, and other organizations. But because we haven't been able to um, bring things into the country, there's around three million people that don't have any access to water. One of the things with this particular conflict, with this particular humanitarian crisis, is that people don't seem to know very much about what's happening there. And so how, I guess, strange was it for you to turn up in Sana and see all this devastation, whereas the average person on the street might not know what's actually happening in Yemen? Yeah, it's something I think about a lot. I mean, on a personal level, obviously I know about this conflict because I, I work on it, I've worked on it for two years. Um, but I'm really aware of the fact that, you know, I often have conversations with people that don't understand exactly what's going on in Yemen. Um, and that's, you know, it is a, com a complicated crisis. It's been going on for a long time. Um, and even people in Yemen, you know, that I was speaking to were confused about why this was happening to them, why this was happening in their country, because there are so many different things, um, you know, that lead to these crises uh, going on for a long, long time. Being there myself, it just struck me that I didn't feel like I was in a war zone because, I mean, it life just does go on for people um they have to survive however they can and that's you know what struck me the most was the people just getting up going to work even though they're not getting paid trying to make the best that they can out of the lives that they're in and that's really something that i wanted to bring back to the uk because i think that's something everyone can relate to when you're down and you know that you need to get yourself back up that you just do what you have to do um and i think just hearing those stories of those doctors, of those colleagues in the Yemen Red Crescent, people I met that hadn't had access to water in their taps for three years, you know, I asked them what, they, what their hopes were for the future and they just simply just wanted to get on with their lives and I think we can all relate to that. Frail, weak and fighting for their lives. These are the faces of Yemen's latest crisis. Preying on the weak and hungry. Cholera has rapidly spread throughout the country. The outbreak of cholera in Yemen has killed more than 2,000 people and thousands more are expected to be infected before the end of the year. Greg Rose from the British Red Cross is with us now. Greg, to start with, what exactly is cholera and how is it contracted? Okay, so it's a diarrheal disease. It also uh, causes vomiting. Um, it's transmitted by uh, the faecal-oral route, so from people's feces and ingesting that, uh, that matter. Um, and the bacillus which causes it um, often contaminates water. So it's the most common way you'd get it is from drinking contaminated water, but it can also be contaminated food or person to person spread in very rare circumstances, such as in overcrowded, unhygienic conditions. Okay, so under a normal circumstance, how easy is cholera to actually treat? Treatment is, is quite basic in the sense that it just requires rehydration of the, of the patient. Um, Obviously, if you get to the person early, they seek assistance, then um, it's just oral rehydration. 
Um, in extreme circumstances, you would uh, have IV fluids, but um, most cholera can, can be treated uh, orally, in the household even. It's thought that around a million people have been infected with cholera in Yemen. Why is it so common in conflict zones like this? Several reasons, one, one of which is the breakdown of infrastructure. So bombing, um, shelling of infrastructure, so you have uh, failed water systems, failed sanitation, if there is sanitation to start off with. Uh, you also have displacement of people, um, so you get overcrowded um, displacement camps and the hygiene in those situations, especially in uh, conflict, if it's still conflict affected, um, getting infrastructure set up in camps is much more difficult. If you think about the disease itself, it produces acute watery diarrhea. So it's like you know, rice water, you're just pouring water out of your gut. Um, you actually have to swallow a lot of cholera in order to create disease. If you look at other diseases, one or two organisms can produce disease. With cholera, you have to swallow a lot. Water is a great breeding ground for it. In the right conditions, if you have your hand that's got fecal matter on it, you touch the water, it will multiply in the right, uh, with the right pH and the right um, temperature, it will multiply within the water. Then everyone in the household who drinks that water will be contaminated and, and the cycle continues. And if you consider that at Yemen at the moment, there is so much malnutrition and this exacerbates the problem. People aren't able to withstand the disease. And so what kind of measures are being taken specifically in Yemen to, to help with the crisis there? Well, certainly the ICRC is supporting the National Society to do a lot of work. Um, they've established um, uh, health, or reinstated some of the health cent centres and hospitals. There's um, work around wa wash infrastructure, so water sanitation. So those are the, some of the things that will make an, an impact. But obviously, it's a very difficult circumstance in which to, you know, to do large-scale infrastructure. For Yemen's most vulnerable, life hangs by a thread. After two years of war, they're victims of the world's largest humanitarian crisis. Our final guest today is Belquis Alzom. Unlike our previous guests, Belquis knows a different side to Yemen. She was born and raised in the country. Now, you left Yemen in the end of 2013, before the current crisis took hold of the country. Can you just tell us about your memories of the country, especially growing up there? Um, I have a very wonderful memory about Yemen. Um, happy, full of happy time, some sad time, positive things, negative things. So, but what I can say, when you when you when you look to the situation today, I I can say I ha I have a very happy time in the past, and very positive things I get from my life in Yemen. Uh, I used to have a, a good family, uh, living in a good neighborhood. I used to go to the university, normally to university, school. Uh, then after that, I get a job with a good salary, with a good environment. Everything was fine. I have a, so, a very good social life. I mean, you know, according to our standard in Yemen, it was a good life because w there is one thing very important for every everyone, not just in Yemen, around the world, the peace, the safe, the security. When you save, when, when you have a peace in your home, inside your house and in your neighborhood and in your city, 
this is all what you need. So we used to have a peace. We used to have a nice, this is the meaning of the life uh, in Yemen before the war, before today. And, and how is it now you're based in London, looking back at the country you left when there was that safety, was that security, and seeing it become a wholly different place? It is, it is not my country. It is not the Yemen that I grew up all my life there. I have been living here just three years. So when I saw in the t- what I see in the TV, what I heard from the people, it's not my country, it's not the place that I used to live in. So I am shocking. I, and I, I, the last time I was in Yemen, it was 2014. I, I know the situation started to be worse and worse, but not like when the war started, the armed conflict, when it started in 2015. It was something nobody can bear it, nobody can imagine it. So I don't know, I don't know. It's very bad situation now in Yemen. Do you still have friends and family there? I have all my family in Yemen, my brothers, my sisters, my uncles, my cousins. You know, in Yemen we used to have this big family, extended family. My father is there. I am here just with my son. and. So every day I try to phone Yemen by, by social media, you know, WhatsApp. I try to contact them all my life there. When I say my life, I mean all my family there. So the, 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 all of them are suffering. The, all of them, the, the, the things that the good for them, the, this, this is the good news, they, that they left Sana'a. They left the targeted cities. They escaped, fled to to rural uh, areas, to small villages, to small cities where it's still safe and and uh, not bombed yet. So this is the good news, that they are not in the conflict cities. And how does it feel as someone who obviously has such a personal, um, so wrapped up personally in this conflict in a country, uh, in a city like London, where not that many people actually know what's happening there? How does that feel kind of? the people don't know as much about the conflict as perhaps they should? You know, uh, one thing I always remember it every day, I wish, I wish to speak to every person in this beautiful country, to every, every human being in, the, in London, in, 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 uh, in the all the United Kingdom. I want to, to tell them what is happening in Yemen, why it's forgotten war, why people don't realize it, why it's not well known like what's happening in Syria. Oh, most of the people here in the UK knows about what is happening in Syria, what's hap- what was happening in Iraq, Libya, but not what is happening in Yemen. All my life, uh, I never thought about it, but now I thought about I'm thinking, I want to be like, uh, I don't know how to say it in English, announcer? No. Working in the media, working in the TV. Every day I will tell people, uh, speak about Yemen, explain what is happening in Yemen. The Red Cross and Red Crescent have helped more than 3.3 million people over the past two years in Yemen. To find out more about our work there and what you can do to help, search Red Cross Yemen Crisis online. Thank you to our guests Trey, Greg and Belkis, and credit for the audio clips goes to BBC News, Rush Today and ITV. This has been Crisis Conversations, a new podcast from the British Red Cross.